Welcome to the Bald Move TV podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for all the TV. You can find us at baldmove.com because we are part of the Bald Move Network. Uh, this week we're covering a lot of shows, a goodly sum of shows, some might say. A princely sum. <laughs> well, unless you're Raylan, then it's a goodly sum. A goodly sum, yeah. ah. Uh, we have Justified, obviously, which we're probably going to start off with. Uh, we have Downton Abbey, and we have Girls. I think we're not covering Portlandia this week. Yeah, I've been traveling internationally, and it was devilishly hard to find time to watch the shows. I was able to see uh, Downton in real time. Okay. You can get that overseas, uh, but I was unable to see the others, and I watched them on the plane ride over and took some notes. So we'll see how we go. I mean, this is our comfort zone, Jim, uh-huh. and that here's where the magic happens. <laughs> so this, this might be yeah, the most do you get magical. It? That must be the most magical cast ever. All right. Well, let's uh, go straight into Justify. Oh, what? No. Okay. This is the final, final warning tonight, Friday, February 1st at... 8 p.m. at the Avery Brewing Company uh, in Boulder, Colorado. We're having a bald move meetup. Yes, we are. We've got myself, we've got Jim, we've got Jesse and Eric from Personal Arrogance and Hangers On, Levi and Jordy. <laughs> we are going to be holding court and having fun and drinking a lot of booze. If you would like to join us, come down down and say hi. We'd love to have you. For sure. Uh, also, you might notice that our audio quality is shit this week. It's because we're on the road. Give us a break. <laughs> yeah, roadcast. All right, now can we do Justified? Yes. Can we get into this? Okay. Uh, so, I got to say, this episode of Justified did not impress me nearly as much as last episode. And I think you might have had a slightly different opinion on that. You, um, you liked it more than me, certainly. I mean, it didn't have the epic Boyd and That's the Billy problem to me. Confrontation. But it didn't have enough Boyd. It was interesting, and it you know exploited... One of Raylan's classic weaknesses, uh, women. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had a surprisingly dark turn for Boyd and Ava. Yeah. Um, I thought, I actually thought the episode was super strong. I was getting really wrapped up in tension. I think Yost made a mistake by punting uh, the death of Ellie Mae. Oh, yeah. By not having uh, Colton, or whatever his name is, take her out. Yeah, I mean, I was actually like, wow, Colton's not going to be a sack of shit. He's going to be an interesting character. And uh, <laughs> that the Eldar guy was was selling kind of the pathos of, of his character, and then he snorted some kind of angel dust and lost the girl. And I'm like, oh, god damn it! Yeah, this is going to be a tight little piece of efficient storytelling, and now they're dragging out the next so week. Do you think they did that because what's her face, the the preacher's sister, really doesn't know anything? I mean, they they played it like that in the episode because I mean, when Shelby interviews her. And Boyd's listening in on the phone, which we all knew Boyd was going to ask for another favor, right? There it is. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's from here on out. <laughs> I think Boyd actually owns poor Sheriff Shelby. Yeah. So do you think she was being honest? Yeah. She I actually thought that was a brilliant play by... Uh, because Shelby struck a balance of kind of like, you know, I'm law and order, but I'm not... You know, like, a, he's not going to be... You're not going to expect a squeaky clean cop in Harlem, right? <laughs> sure, Yeah. So I thought that he did a really good job of selling that, hey, I might be crooked, but I don't want, you know, killing people and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, I don't know why she wouldn't be. On the other hand, do I think that her storyline is done? No. No, I don't think so either. But the storyline of that, that we kind of started here in last episode is somebody knows something about Boyd's operation, and that's probably going to get out. Yeah. So now they needed that loose end of Ellie Mae. 
being on the road. I think it'd be interesting if Ellie Mae got out of her coke-addled state just long enough to realize she is being set up and goes to find... Um, what's her face? The, the preacher's daughter? I don't know her name. Um, goes to find her and spills her guts. Uh, and that would be kind of fun. That would be an interesting twist that Boyd and Ava's kind of paranoia is their undoing. We see that, you know, that's, we see that in The Wire. We see it in The Sopranos. Yeah. Um, it seems like that's the undoing of all criminal organizations is their disloyalty and paranoia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so... Another thing I was thinking about with Boyd and Ava and this whole prostitution ring that they've got going, didn't last season Boyd say when Ava started this whole thing that he didn't want anything to do with it? That well, she was kind of running the show with that? She, he, I think this is all her decision. But it's not. She goes to him and says, what do I do about this? Well, but so that's, he's got to make the decision to like take her out or do whatever he's going to do. Well, I don't know. I didn't. I did not get that impression. I thought Boyd was deferential to her, but she... You know, they're a a good pair in that she knows what his strengths and weaknesses are and vice versa. And she's coming to him for advice, you know, and kind of giving him clear signals. Like, I think we should kill this girl. And he's like, whoa, whoa, you know, yeah. I know the cost of that. I don't know that you <laughs> do. Maybe we try a couple other things. Yeah. And first of all, and, and towards the end of the episode, I was starting to think that this trip to Alabama – was like sending uh, a childhood pet to the um, the, the uncle's farm, <laughs> uh-huh. and that was just a fiction. He was going to tell Ava to you know for oh, him to cover the tracks. So you didn't even think that Ava knew about that. Yes, and I'm like, well, that'll be interesting, kind of like betrayal of Boyd and, and Ava. Yeah, but yeah. they didn't, didn't play out that way. So it's like, I, and I wasn't dissatisfied. I thought that was an interesting direction, and turned out not to not to pan out. Yeah. So th- I think the reason that this was not as exciting to me is that. I really love Boyd as a character. I mean, Walton Goggins does such a great job with his his, <laughs> his, his character the there. His yeah, hair the he's season. going. He's almost getting to Dicky levels, right? <laughs> I, it's like I don't know whether his hair went from receding to full retreat, and he's like, <laughs> "Fuck it, made me into a human dandelion." Uh, but it yeah. is breathtaking when he's haloed from behind by light. Oh yeah, it's yeah. like watching a troll doll evolve. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yes, uh, we're so, Boyd fans. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Boyd fan, and he didn't have much of a, a role in this episode, right? I mean, Ava came to him with a problem that she had, and it was kind of her storyline. Um, and the stuff that has been so good this season so far has been Boyd-centric. I mean, Raylan has always been out there kind of doing his thing and being Raylan and being awesome. You know what I don't like? What? Lindsay. And you know what I like even oh, less? Oh, God. Her boyfriend, Randall. No, see, I, fighting. Oh, I like the conflict between him and Raylan. Honestly, I don't care about yeah, his cockfighting stuff. It is. It was it definitely entertaining. Yeah. Well, I just like the fact that he's a guy that is really dangerous to Raylan, right? Because Raylan doesn't really have a cause to shoot him, right? To kill him, like he does the real bad guys, right? He he is a legitimate physical threat to Raylan. I mean, you saw the fight that would have gone down totally different without uh, Lindsay there. Yeah. So yeah, Raylan <laughs> fucked up, and he fucked up because. I mean, historically, the show has, has painted him, and in the books uh, especially, too, as having a weakness for the ladies. Yeah. Um, it irritates me that he has this particular uh, weakness for Lindsay. How old do you think Lindsay is? I would. Uh, I think she's a goodly sum older than he is. <laughs> I would believe anything from 29 to 59. <laughs> 59? Because, you know, she's got really nice skin, but she's uh, kind of got a case of the old lady hands. Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing that plastic surgery can do amazing things. Hands. For ladies nowadays, but the one thing that it can't do 
that there's no cosmetic surgery for old lady hands. Wow, you're right. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell. I think she's just slightly older than Raylan, in my opinion. Yeah. So maybe somewhere around 40. 40s, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, what other shows do we want to talk about? Or do you want to say anything more about Justified? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I seem to remember liking Ellie Mae a good deal more in previous seasons. Um, it just seems like she's extra dumb and kind of gone to seed. Man, I always thought she was extra dumb. I did thought there was a nice touch at the end when I was really uh, liking old Colt is when he was in the dirt, you know, filthy mirror and he's looking at himself through that dirty mirror. Yeah. And he's kind of like, you know, throwing back a scarred or tarnished reflection of himself. Hmm. Uh, what do you think is going on in his head? He's kind of a cipher like Johnny that... I don't think he enjoys what he's doing, honestly. Oh, no. If he's got to get coped up like to go kill her. Killing this little girl, I yeah. don't think, is something that he would uh, quote-unquote sign up for. Yeah, I mean, he's ex-military, right? So I don't think he, he revels this stuff as much as, like, some of the criminals in Harlem do. Right. Uh, what do you think about Raylan's shout-out to the term pixelated? Did he shouted that out? Yeah, and when he's talking that. about, uh, you know, it's like, that's your thing. You go out and get pixelated, and then you back clean up and get her all. He doesn't strike me as a guy who plays video games. No, but that's like, where's that reference from? That's So I've heard it in a Dr. Awkward song. That's that's where I heard it from, too. Yeah. The term uh, for getting, like, outrageously drunk. Yeah. You get pixelated. Uh, I don't know yeah. whether that's, I don't know, because he did the Nerdist podcast, so he's not, like, totally... Not down for the yeah, that's true. I don't know. I'm talking about Raylan the character. I don't know about Timothy Olyphant. What do you think about Sheriff Shelby's um, soliloquy about Boyd Crowder being unfettered by conscience? Um, I actually that surprised me because uh, up until this point, I always thought Boyd was kind of like Raylan, one of the more moral characters in the show. I mean, yes, he does bad things, and he is a you know, bad guy, but he also kind of had a moral code that I didn't think you'd cross, and this exploration with Ellie May and all that uh, kind of has me second-guessing that. Do you think that's accurate? Do you think, um, you know, Boyd seemed to be wounded? Was he play-wounded with uh, Sheriff Shelby's comments to him? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, nothing Shelby says. Boyd has power over Shelby. But do you think he's a little not nervous but do you think he's right to be concerned about their relationship? Because I think Shelby will fuck him the first chance he gets. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Um, but, but Shelby is the head honcho in that town, and the only way to go higher is to go to another uh, b- branch, right? I mean, the sheriff's as high as it gets in Harlan County, mm-hmm. so he'd have to take it higher. And I don't know if he's prepared to do that because of the stuff that he's done in his past, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Boyd has that over him. Right. So. Uh, oh, by the way, sorry, I don't have feedback for this episode. Again, I've been traveling. It's feedback's kind of my responsibility. Uh, I was going to assemble some today at the hotel, but my the Wi-Fi signal was so bad, I can't really access my email. <laughs> right. So uh, I'll try to get the stuff from this week, the relevant stuff from this week, uh, kind of packaged up for next week. All right. Well, let's move on to girls. Why not? All right, girls. Uh, what did you think of this week's episode? I was disappointed that jazzhate.com is not an actual site. <laughs> I was yeah. really, you know, wanting to see some kind of clever send-up of yeah. the jezebel.coms. And I feel like the, if this was Breaking Bad, we would have had a jazzhate.com. Yeah, we would have. Yeah. Like we had Pinkman's uh, website. Missed opportunity. Um, 
Yeah, I don't so know. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was it was hilarious. It was very funny and then poignant at the end. Like girls yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, that that's kind of the perfect mix of girls, right? Right. That's what you want. What do you think about this Booth character, the artist? I I think he's an interesting character. I don't like him. I don't like him either, but like what Marty said, he's talented as hell. I would like to experience his Booth of Misery. Oh, God. Yeah, she had the full clockwork orange treatment there. I mean, that was horrifying. Like, I feel like even if you went in there at a certain level of ironic detachment, that it would just wear you down. Oh, yeah, because he locked her in there. He made a sandwich. He checked his emails. Yeah. She was in there for like an hour. Yeah, and, and, and if nothing else, the baby crying and the noise. I mean, you can uh-huh. shut your eyes, but you can't shut the whole experience out. Yeah. No, that was disturbing. Uh, I don't know. I What do you think about Hannah's uh, relationship with this uh, heroin addict? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of shocked at how patronizing she was of him. Yeah, when she um, goes to visit him to get the coke. Got that. You know, it's funny we're talking about our cohort, Eric. Eric, uh, for personal arrogance, hates the show. And he <laughs> went on a long tirade about Lena Dunham. And, like, she's a spoiled <laughs> oh, yeah. rich girl. She plays with drugs. and Thinks she's, she's the got, voice of her generation. And... Right, which, which I actually would argue that's her character, not mm-hmm. her herself. If you listen to some interviews she's given, I don't think that's the way she is at all. And she claims to be kind of a teetotaler. Uh, never drinking, never doing drugs. No coke. But it is... Horrifying, yeah. Uh, it is horrifying the level of patronization she uh, did of this uh, to this junkie, rather. Yeah. Uh, former junkie, guys. Yeah. Like he said, I, you know, I'm cleaned up. I got a tur- turtle I'm caring for now. And then at the end, when she went on this tirade about Marnie, about what a bad friend she is, which is all true, by the way. Mm-hmm. Then she goes and takes advantage of this junkie. Well, she exploits him in multiple ways. I mean, oh, just oh, yeah. having him get her drugs when. She knows that he's a recovering addict. Do you know how bad that is? That is terrible. It's, yeah. That's, that's a horrible thing to do to someone. And this is why I can see people hate the show if, unless you're getting it like, okay, this is like a Seinfeld. This is like an Always Sunny where yeah. a lot of the humor comes from how self-absorbed and selfish these people are. Yeah. But yeah. that's horrible. And then at the end where she knows that he's been having a thing for her for all these years, maybe she even inspired him to get cleaned up. And yeah. she's going to take advantage of him for a story. Yeah. Essentially. Because this is just for work. Just to, yeah. And this is just for tonight. Like, I mean, she, at least she was honest with him. Uh, okay. Fair enough. But. And a lot of guys would make that deal. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It's just so exploitative yeah. of this guy. It's like, I felt bad for him. Uh, and, but also, I never want to be told that I'm getting fucked for work. <laughs> That's right. like. One of the worst things that could happen to you. Yeah, I don't know. I just, man, I just, Hannah was so unattractive personality-wise. It's just too bad because I actually think, I actually like her character quite a bit. But between Mm -hmm. the way she treated uh, Laird and, you know, even her, like, I don't think Elijah is a really fully formed person. person and he's self-absorbed himself but yeah. you know the, her making his dalliance with marty all about her you yeah. know and obviously yeah that was a shitty thing to do but like you know you were supposed to i was supposed to, i was meant to be your last woman <laughs> like, what the fuck uh, yeah and and there's an obvious uh, him telling her that is kind of uh, a cry for help saying i'm lost help me out yeah. i mean granted he's on coke and he doesn't know what he's saying at the time but 
But that's that's kind of the subtext there is I need to figure stuff out. And then you're right, she makes it all about her. I think it's funny because there's multiple fault lines showing up in the show now. Um, so Hannah now, who does she have for support? Because she, she told Marnie off. <laughs> she kicked Elijah out. Uh-huh. Um Marnie is now, you know, who knows what she's doing with this. This uh, Adam's gone. Jonathan Booth, <laughs> Booth, Jonathan, or whatever. I don't know that. I, don't, I actually well, think Adam's going to make a comeback I, next I, week. I think, I think he might, but she's crushed him at this point. It looks you know? like the the bloom has come off the rose on Shoshana's relationship with whatever his name is. Right. Because she seems like she's more kind of getting sick of him, you know, than she that definitely was last week. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that they're just really reshuffling the cards here, and I wonder. You know, what new characters are they going to bring in to, you know, keep this dynamic interesting? Are they going to hit the reset button and everybody's going to forget and be friends again? You know, again, what's happening with Jessa? I think we've we've devoted enough time. Yeah, there, there was no Jessa this week, right? No, she was sitting so, outside at that rummage sale. Yeah, well, there was nothing significant in her storyline. Right. She's uh, still, I find, the most insufferable character in the show. <laughs> Insufferable? Yeah. I find Shoshana to be insufferable. No, I, I, I can't love stand her. I'm a, Shosh- I'm a Shoshana fan. All right. Fair I say Hosanna. Hosanna is for Shoshana. <laughs> Hosanna. Uh, all right. Well, that's about all I've got for girls. Uh, let's move on to Downton Abbey, which uh, Let me ask you was this. a good but kind of shocking and out of nowhere episode. I thought it was amazing. amazing and it was emotional and it was a lot yeah. of payoff to years of patient but it came out of the blue, right? I mean, this thing it came out of the blue. You were you thought Sybil was going to die much earlier in the episode than I did, correct? Yeah. So, so going into it, I had no clue about anything happening with Sybil. Mm-hmm. Then, when the doctors started arguing, I was like, "Hmm, I wonder if she's really in trouble here." And then, when she has the baby and she's laying in the bed, and uh, I want to call her McGee because of the up, up yours yeah, downstairs yeah. guys, Cora. Cora uh, when she is sitting by the bed and Sybil's telling her, remember, like tell Branson that he doesn't need to go back to work. Like make, yeah. don't let Papa, uh, use this as a way out. Uh-huh. I knew it. I knew she was dead. I was like, you don't give final words to your mother unless you're about to die. I'm just amazed because this show has always kind of been, i shown a, a streak of cowardice and that they seem to prefer, they seem to prefer stasis to anything. Like, even when things change, they change to preserve the status quo. Like, Anna and Bates are forever separated. When they finally get together, he gets thrown in prison. Let's yeah, yeah. maintain that status quo. Yeah. Thomas and O'Brien's relationship has always been this kind of kind of adversarial, at least uh, from the end of season one on. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Edith, you know, she had a chance of happiness. No, we're going to throw her down in the ditch. I wonder if Lord this Grantham's is... oblivious. Mary and fucking... Matthew are always at each other's throats and yeah. in a mostly charming way. Well, specifically to talk about Lord Grantham and Matthew, I wonder if this isn't a slow burn or if they're going to take this and flip the script again and just put it in stasis. But this this idea that Lord Grantham is not running the estate how he should and that Matthew is trying to take over the thing, I think that's something that's been very slowly burning. Yeah. And that, that may have a real payoff. Yeah. You know? And especially since like he doesn't even have Mary on his side. Lord Grantham, yeah, yeah. like, it's it's not fair to blame him for what happened, but it was a perfect storm 
of his bullshit deference to nobility and Dr. Clarkson's hubris that has been throughout the seasons of misdiagnosing this and missing that and mistreating that and being an arrogant prick himself up against an even more arrogant prick of a doctor doctor with his daughter's life in the balance. Well, specifically with more credentials, right? I mean, that's why Lord Grantham is listening to him, because he's a more esteemed doctor. Well, because he's a, he's a knight. I mean, I don't know that he's got better credentials. He's got more experience maybe giving, giving birth, but... You know, it almost feel like Clarkson maybe learned from his hubris of previous seasons, but he had all that baggage coming in that made Lord Grantham, you know, paradoxically wanting the best for his daughter probably end up killing her. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, but I see some starts of some change to this stasis, and I hope they carry through. I mean, obviously killing Sybil is huge. Oh, what are they yeah. going to do with Tom? What are they going to do with the new baby? Um, yeah. They look like they might be resolving this... Anna Bates situation. Well, now Tom... Uh, Lord Grantham is going to have to change. He's going to have to give up control. You know, like Mary says, like, oh, on the day of my, your daughter, his daughter's death, he's going to lose control of his estate. Bitch, he done lost control of his estate. Like, by yeah. my count, three times. And it's going to happen for real, like I said on Facebook, no take backsies, <laughs> unless Matthew comes in and puts some middle class sensibility in this, yeah. up in this piece. Yeah, that's what he's trying to do. Uh, I wonder if... Branson now isn't just going to go back to Ireland uh, to kind of finish what he started, you know? Uh, I mean, man, he's got to... If he... That would be incredibly selfish of him, which oh, certainly. would be interesting. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Sybil was the thing keeping him there, right? If he took his daughter and went back to Ireland, of yeah. course it's selfish, but I could see him doing it. But he'll be in prison, if not killed, right? If he sets foot in Ireland? Yeah, but he he desperately wanted to go back. I mean, he wanted yeah. to take Sybil back with I him. I actually think he'll find... That would be interesting, too. I think he'll find new meaning in his daughter's life. I actually, uh, let me yeah. ask you this. Would it shock you if him and Edith got married? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that... <laughs> yeah, it would. It would shock you. Oh, sure. After being with someone as hot as Sybil, to go with Edith? No, not going to happen. Yeah, but, like, he's looking... You know, and a lot of times men in the situation do, especially back then, he's going to be looking for a maternal figure because he's not probably What does like, Edith have to offer in that department? She's a caretaker. She even said so last yeah, episode well, she got yeah. jilted. That's my purpose in life, to take care of people. Fair and enough. And obviously he's kind of an upgrade to Sir Antony. Kind of. I don't think it's going to happen either because that would be yet another scandal to befall the family. I think they would spin it as a scandal. Okay. I just thought, in, in, it seems like that's a possibility to me. Yeah. So, okay, so you bring up, like, all the scandals that are happening with, yeah. with this family. Um, I feel like this, this show is almost making fun of itself at points. Yeah. Like, there were some things in this episode, and I can't remember precisely what they were, but there were moments where the show and the writing felt like, this is hyperdramatic, it's melodramatic, we know it, and we're going to point it out a little bit. For example? I don't have a for example. Oh. <laughs> like, go back and watch it uh, <laughs> and check it out. <laughs> wow, that is the kind of quality analysis you expect out of Bald Move. Yeah, I forgot uh, to write down the examples. Let me mention another scandal rocking the uh, Crawleys, the other side of the Crawley family. Miss mm -hmm. um, Bird leaving, what shit, uh, Isabel's, isn't it Isabel? The whore? 
Yeah, the, she's running a whore institute, and it's, she's she's <laughs> whore is, she's, she's, like she's taking teaching her, she's taking her prize institute, uh, her prize pupil. <laughs> I stole that from the up yours downstairs people. Oh, did you? Um, but she's taking her prize pupil, and she's bringing it into her own house, which caused Mister Mrs. Bird to leave. No, it didn't cause her to leave. It caused her to get fired. Mm, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. She was let go, no doubt. I mean, it was she would have one quit. month pay in lieu of. Whatever. She thought that she her services were so valued that yes. she voiced her objection. Um, man, I think it's the, is it Isabel or is that the Dowager Countess Violet? I yeah, I don't know. I can't remember which one. Anyway, the Countess and Matthew's mother. I yes, think that's all I know. So I, I feel like that she thought that that was going to go down differently, but she would have quit if, if if she hadn't have relented anyway. Um, this is a big deal to everyone at Downton. Uh, Carson's up in arms. He's forbidden any uh, maids or footmen to be seen over there. He doesn't want that kind of social leprosy spreading to his house. Uh, is she going to be forced to let this girl go, or is this girl going to do some self-sacrificing thing by leaving? I don't think you can this... force her to do anything. She's shown time and again that she is very set on what she wants to do. It seems like this season's a steady pulling apart of the pretensions mm. of the nobility. Yeah. It's like, you're going to be drugged, kicking and screaming into the 20th century. You're going to, you know, be seen as the emperor with no clothes. Yeah, and they've and talked about no that stopping it. after the war, how much things have really changed. I mean, Matthew seems to be, uh, on. he seems to be hit to that, but everybody else seems to be living in the dark, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think you're right. This season really is after the war was over. Now they're kind of pulling all that apart. Uh, another uh, one of the other internal conflicts happening in this episode is um, the strife between the O'Brien War and the Thomas War. Uh, what is O'Brien playing at? Here? I don't know. So she's she's kind of playing with the new footman, right? Uh huh. I, I don't know what her game plan is there, though. I feel like she is implying that he needs to accept these unwanted advances from Thomas. Whereas if, 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 if she hadn't said, hey, you need to brown those to Thomas because he's got Lord Grantham's ear, which is a lie. Mm-hmm. Lord Grantham doesn't think anything of Thomas one way or another. Yeah. Um, although I think he's starting to suspect that Thomas isn't all that popular downstairs. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this new guy, the handsome footman, would have been like, yo, back off, asshole, oh. a, a while ago. But as it is, he's kind of like, accepting this with this forced smile, which is egging Thomas on, I think eventually Thomas is going to do something like kiss him, yeah, which is going to blow up and then hopefully, I've, not hopefully, <laughs> me speaking, hopefully in, Tom, in uh, O'Brien's eye is going to get him dismissed or sacked. Well, I'm, I, for my sake, I hope Thomas gets dismissed or sacked or blown up or something because <laughs> he's been kind of a shit the whole show. Yeah, uh, And I'm now really... he's got these fingerless gloves. Have you seen these things? Yeah. What is the point of fingerless gloves in the 1900s, the early 1900s? I think if he's trying to, he's he's vain enough around this boy that he's he needs his manual dexterity. But he's trying to hide that scar in his hand. Oh, he's definitely hiding the scar. But I'm okay. just saying, why not wear a full glove? I don't know. It's not like he's got to operate an iPhone or something. Because one of his many responsibilities at Downton is picking up dimes off the floor. That's <laughs> <laughs> just impossible. He's you got another your... hand. <laughs> I'll go to the Michael Jackson look. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what do you think about... Well, the other thing is, were you at all moved by Thomas's being moved by the death of Sybil? Yes. Actually, that affected me uh, significantly. Because they did because, have a good relationship. And 
this is the one time that we've seen real emotion from Thomas as far as caring about someone, right? Yeah. I mean, the only other time we've seen that is when he kind of got his heart broken by that guy who he spent the summer with uh, mm-hmm. back in season one. All right. Uh, but it but it was very mild then. Like, it, it happened and then he was kind of angry about it. But this really affected him. Let me ask you this. And it, affected, it was also that it was affecting everyone around him so profoundly. Yeah. I mean, like, Carson, the way he was affected was fantastic. I mean, you get, uh, what's her face, Mrs. Hughes coming in and, I mean, she's as red-faced as can be. Uh-huh. It's, yeah, it was moving. Let me ask you this. What do we know about Thomas's backstory? Very little, as far as I know. So, do you think that he's a complete shit, mistrustful dick to everyone for no reason at all? No, or no, Do you no. think that they actually have an arc that we're going to find out about that's going to bring him around? Does, is he going to have a redemptive arc where he's going to be brought totally low? Yeah. We're going to find out about his past somehow, and it's all going to be, you know, everything's going to be made right, and he's going to learn some Charlie Brown-esque lesson. I don't know, and I'll tell you why, because... I don't know if this show is prepping us for a backstory or if they've already shown his backstory. And his backstory is just that he's had a hard life because he's gay. I don't know if that's meant to be the thing that defines Thomas or if there's extra stuff that we need to learn about. If you find out, like, a, a gay man at, at that time of his life, you know, what would his father treat him like? What would his sure. family treat him like? No, I, I how, think that's, that's what I'm wondering. Is it going to be implied, or are they going to actually show if he was from something? that kind of background, how did he get into a relatively great house? Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I feel like there is some interesting possibilities with Thomas. Um, definitely. Yeah, I mean, definitely I want to see his comeuppance, but I want to see... If they can actually make me feel like, you know, Julia Fellows has got something to sleep that's going to make me feel badly for Thomas. Yeah. Uh, I think... I don't know. I feel badly because everybody hates him so much. I mean, <laughs> there was one point where Carson, they were all sitting at the table having a meal, and uh, somebody starts talking to Thomas, and <laughs> Carson's like, I don't like the direction this conversation is going. And I was like, because someone is talking to Thomas? Right. Because that goes bad places every time. Uh, so, towards the end... Um, what do we think about the plot with, uh, Bates? It looks like the big screw that knows about this lawyer and what he's on mm-hmm. about and what his mission, is that going to get screwed up? I mean, I really... Yeah, so they're trying to get information on what he, what exactly his plan is, right? Yeah, and, and, and well, he knows the girl that the lawyer is going to try to get this confession out of, because... Because Anne has yeah. uncovered evidence that basically she poisoned himself herself out of spite. They've got kind of like semi-smoking gun, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, with the timeline and how Bates couldn't have been there. But they need the confession of the girl who hates him. Yeah, well, and, and they have to get it out of her without her knowing it's confession. They or she, she won't has give to it. think yeah. that it's going to be something that is going to damn uh, Bates, and then yeah. they're going to use it against her. The screw note, I mean, the way he talked at the end, I got the impression that he knows all this. And now him and, you know, yeah. whatever Bates' arch enemy, well-connected enemy is, is going to try to foil that. Yeah. No, Except for I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know what I could do about that. But, yeah, yeah I, I you're right. There's a plan that's going to be hatched pretty soon. And so far, Bates has been both clever and lucky enough um, via correspondence from other people to avoid that 
but how long can that keep going on? You know, I mean, they need to they need to really rush this thing and get that confession out of the or get that testimony out of that woman. Otherwise, Bates is going to be screwed. The other thing I'm wondering with both of the the Crawley men is they've made it they made Matthew very unlikable so far in the season by making his kind of pride and proprietary and, and uh, wanting to carry this cross over Lavinia, uh, yeah. you know, take precedence over Mary's happiness and, and, and helping this family out. Although, if you really think about it, the, you know, once we see what, what bringing the Crawleys low is going to look at like, uh, you know, it didn't look like much. Um, and they're also making Lord Grantham, Robert, look extremely unlikable. Yeah. I got a two-part question. Is that the cloak? So are we supposed to be on Matthew's side about the way Downton is being ran? Or are we supposed to be on Mary's side thinking that she, you know this guy's this horrible person for wanting to get this thing straight? And, yeah, I'm, so- I'm, and, and the fact that they're using Matthew, making him look so bad... Is part of you know misdirection on on their part for the audience. Uh, so I've I've definitely felt both of those things. I didn't feel the part where Matthew was kind of a, a dick for doing what he's doing until this episode, uh, where he specifically. I mean, Sybil's dead, and now he's talking to this lawyer about how to split up the estate or how to manage the estate. That was a dick move, and Mary rightfully points it out. Uh, that's been my only indication as to Matthew being kind of. Handle, mishandling this whole thing. But he, I don't think he did it out of spite or even not. No, no, no. Simple. He's just yeah. very worried like, shit, this, this thing is like very near to disaster. Yeah. I need to get out in front of this thing. And yes, this girl's died, but the lawyer's here and we can talk about it. And what would be more devastating is to lose to his state again after you've already lost your daughter. Well, Mary's big thing in that scene is... The timing. Uh, well... Yes, and also that her father is not present at this meeting. It is half her father's estate, right? Well, I mean, Mary, that's arguable. That's only because Matthew's a nice guy. Uh, yes, but it's a fact at this point. Sure. So Mary is both upset that, yes, he's doing this on the day that Sybil died, and also that he's cutting her father out of this conversation completely. Yeah. And I'm, certainly she has loyalties to her father, so... I'm also worried about this Cora versus uh, Robert storyline because Lord Grantham is becoming the one that I le- like the least, and I've traditionally wow. not liked Cora. So it's like them bickering and holding these emotional resentments against each other. I think Cora is definitely kind of well within her rights, but I'm having a hard time connecting with their characters emotionally. What about you? Hmm. What do you think? Uh, I agree that Lord Grantham is becoming less likable. He was probably my favorite character um, to start out with. And yeah, they've kind of reduced him to a buffoon yeah. in, in a lot of ways. And he's so self-absorbed because I, this was all there for me to see, but I was overlooking. Like, even last season, when he found out that his military duty was only ceremonious. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was more pissed about that than, you know, like like the, the personal insult than the fact that Honestly, keeping him out of the war effort might have turned the tide of the war because you imagine Lord Grantham leading some kind of regiments, like how badly he mismanaged that. The, oh, ger- yeah, the yeah. Kaiser might be sitting on the <laughs> Queen's throne if, if, if they hadn't have uh, put him into show pony role. Yeah, no, but you're like right. yeah, he just—I don't know. I, I'm 
I, I just feel like I'm seeing him in a new light in this season, and all the stuff he did in previous seasons is making me, you know, rethink of him and view him in, like I said, a different light. Yeah, I think his real, his best attribute is his moral compass, right? Right. I mean, he's a, he's a very strong man, but he is prideful uh, to a fault. And I think we're just starting to see that unravel, like you said. Well, I mean, I guess it might be accurate to say that his best feature is when he's using his power, money, and influence to help the uh, ones that are less, you know, privileged in society. And he seems to be very generous. And I kind of think that's where this plot line with Matthew is going, is that you're going to find a lot of this mismanagement is just Lord Grantham having a heart of gold. Um, yeah, well, okay, so I have a question for you then. Um, I didn't really get the scene where he was walking through the estate with uh, Mary and he come across this building that's not being used and all this land and stuff. What was the point of that scene? What were they, what was Matthew's point? Well, I think that's what Mary was trying to say. It's because he was like, you know, look at this, this farm is not being farmed efficiently because this guy's old and he can't do it anymore. Okay. And Mary was going to do the Lord Grantham of like, what, do you want me to turn him out? And Matthew's like, no, give him a cottage. But get someone and then get in someone here. in here that can farm, and, and you will still make more money because you're actually using the land to its full efficient. Gotcha. Now, yeah. the thing with everyone that lives in this fucking county is, I think that farmer would think that was like some kind of grave insult and try to kill himself or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm not going to take your pity cottage. I <laughs> want the poorly uh, tin this land. I don't want to live in Downton Place. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't want to live in this peasant's cottage. I'm a farmer guy. <laughs> I, it's like, ah, I, I hope that they have a very deaf, deaf touch about the way they're going to handle this conflict. Yeah. I don't know that a deaf touch is a very strong suit. Julian Fellows of, suit. Yeah, yeah. of his writing. Uh, all right. Well, that's about all I've got for Down Abbey. Ready uh, to initiate the outro. We are not doing, I didn't get a chance to see it, so I've not caught up on Archer or... Uh, Portland, you'll probably carve out a significant portion of time next week to kind of go over the highlights of that. Yeah, this week's Portlandia was pretty funny. I liked it. Really? Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Haven't seen Archer yet, though. Um, so ready to initiate the outro sequence? Go for it. Uh, we are part of the Bald Move Network. You can find all of our content at baldmove.com, including our full coverage of The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, latest seasons of Mad Men, and Breaking Bad. Uh, and don't forget our affiliates. We're kind of partying with them all weekend here in Boulder, Colorado. The Personal Arrogance Crew out of Seattle. And also our newest affiliates, the Bacaw Show. Uh, if you, I'm, you know, I'm not even going to say if, if you're a lady, because we oh, enjoy no. the hell out of the show. Yeah, we do. They are um, entertaining and fearlessly personal in a way that just kind of like sucks you in. It's like I always say, if you listen to three personal arrogant shows, you're going to listen to them all. I feel like if you listen to two Bacaw oh, Shows. Oh, the gauntlet is thrown personal That's arrogance. That's right. You need to step you it up, that? boys. Um, but yeah, give them a, give them a check out. You can find all that stuff at baldmove.com. Uh, you can give us feedback at TV at baldmove.com. Like us on facebook.com slash baldmove. Follow Jim on twitter.com at baldmove. We also appreciate your reviews and ratings on iTunes, especially with this new show, getting us off the ground and hopefully get a crack at new and notable. Uh, it just takes a few seconds of your time. If you're already an iTunes subscriber, uh, go in there and give us a couple stars. Uh, we'd appreciate it. And uh, you can also use our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com or click on the banner at the top of our site. That takes a little bit of the profit that you spend at Amazon and, give, and, and funnels it our way. It doesn't cost you any money. 
cost Jeff Bezos money, but as far as I can tell, yeah. his business plan is to operate at a loss indefinitely. <laughs> so he's like, 45%. you know, that actually helps him meet his personal goals. So, yeah. so do that. And also tell a friend. you got a friend that likes good television, uh, would like to spend some time discussing their favorite shows with Jim and I, uh, turn them on to baldmove.com. Definitely. And I think that's it. Hope to see several of you at uh, the Avery Brewing Company tonight. Yeah, can't wait. If you can, um, I'm going to start a thread on, on Facebook, and if you can RSVP so we can see like if we can get a, a, a table. Yeah, we don't, don't know how crowded it's going to be. That could be a yeah, thing. It could be standing room only, and we'll just drink and, and shout and <laughs> have fun that way. I don't know. All right. Well, hope to see you guys there tonight. And with that said, until next time, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron.